Hello and welcome back to episode number 12 of the Dome Zone podcast. Austin Eisler with you. Mason Nunez is back with me and we did miss last week. A lot of things going on, Thanksgiving and everything else. Um, but we're going to go ahead and talk about the Rams game this week and also recap the 49ers and then take a look forward to the Bucks on Monday night. So let's get going with it. Let's go back to a bit of a happier time, Mason. The Rams uh, came into town, the Saints playing them in the first game since the missed call. Both teams not in a great spot. And the Saints, you know, showed some life. And I actually put the question, we have life, but then in parentheses put not really because I didn't think we actually did. I felt like the Saints beat a very bad football team. And I think that kind of proved to be true. Um, you know, they played well in that game, well enough to win. But I think uh, the opponent has as much to do with that as anything. Now, it's easy to say that after we saw them come back down to earth again against the Niners. But even in that game, you know, I, I wrote these notes you know, before the Niners game. And I, I just wasn't all that impressed. I felt like Dalton was efficient, but he still does some things. Like he takes some ridiculous sacks that like a guy who's been in the league, double digit years, you just can't have that type of stuff. So, you know, I look, we've both kind of moved away from the Andy Dalton train for a while now. We're not really sure why he's still playing given where the team is record wise and, and what they have left to play for and, and the given scenario. But for now, it looks like Dennis Allen's just going to keep trotting him back out there. Huh? Yeah, I mean, at this rate, like we've talked about, there's no reason for Dalton to continue starting. We have no incentive to be bad, unfortunately, with no first-round pick next year. Dalton, like you said, has a veteran quarterback who's been in the league forever now. You, you would think these these sloppy mistakes would be cleaned up by now. But at the same time, that's probably why he's in the position that he's in now and not starting having been starting for a while for another franchise. Um, the Rams game, you know, like you brought up, it looked like we may have had life, but the Rams are not a good football team. And I think even we can agree on that, even watching the game, it just didn't feel like we were doing much. Sure, we beat up on that team, but that's that's like a Big Ten team playing, you know, a cupcake schedule, something of that sort. It just didn't feel like a competitive game. So, yeah, that's that's where we stand on that one. Yeah, you know, the only thing I had from that, other than that on offense, I felt like Jarvis came back and really gave you a spark. I think that's something that, you know, the receiving core injuries have hurt you, you know, and as much as Olave has emerged and some of those guys have been really good, I felt like Jarvis coming back kind of gave you some life. And um, I think moving forward, you still needs, you know, you need those guys. That's such an important position in this league right now, the way the way it is with all the passing and everything that goes on. And without Thomas, you know, I, I feel like it's a position the Saints still need to kind of grow for the future as well, because Olave is a great start. But I think you need those peripheral pieces and Shahid has come along nicely. But, you know, I think the Saints need to continue developing the receiver position. Well, <clears throat> definitely. I mean, Olave and Shahid are both kind of game breakers with their speed and, you know, that they're deep threats mature, you know. As far as Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, they don't really break open, you know, a secondary. They're more so catching the intermediate passes, you know, really working the middle ground game kind of scenarios. And I really – I wasn't expecting to have to potentially go grab another receiver in next year's draft or in free agency. But at this point, we might want to start looking at a young receiver to possibly develop and grow in the system that can kind of do things similarly. And I know that's hard to do 
to what Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry do, because we're, we're pretty set right now with a deep threat in Olave and Shahid. Yeah. And, you know, look, another thing I wanted to point out here is that, you know, the Saints have have been kind of bringing in some veteran running backs over the last few weeks. And, you know, I feel like that's something that works for some teams. We saw Adrian Peterson have a second win in his career for the Saints. I mean, we've brought in Adrian Peterson. Of course, that was a while back, a couple of years back. David Johnson's come in. Jordan Howard. Those are the guys, you know, most recently this season. Um, it's, it's been a long line of the saints doing this, bringing in veteran guys. Remember Devonte Freeman was in the building for a little bit. You've had a bunch of those guys and they have never panned out for the saints, you know, at least from a production standpoint, I think it's just kind of funny. And I also feel like that was kind of something that it, it's not a huge issue, but bringing in an, a really, you know, a good second back this year, Ingram, you know, just clearly doesn't have the juice he once had and he hasn't been healthy all the time either. I think that's really hurt the Saints, and I think that that's something they have to get fixed moving forward. They need a second option behind Kamara. Take some of that pressure off. Yeah, unfortunately, we've seen that happen too much this year, and that's that's exactly why the ground game has suffered, which is predominantly what we thought this team was going to do this year, was just pound the rock and run the air out of the football to kind of take pressure off of these two quarterbacks and yeah, I mean, veteran quarterbacks, like, I mean, running backs, like you brought up, they don't pan out here. And it's crazy when you look at it because, for example, I mean, look at the Eagles when they won their Super Bowl and they went on that playoff run. Their leading rusher was LeGarrette Blunt, who was at the end of his career pretty much. And he was crazy. It just doesn't pan out for us, unfortunately. And, you know, I really, I had high hopes for a guy like Jordan Howard to maybe come in and make some plays, but. It just didn't pan out, and David Johnson was just – he just looks bad. It might be time to call it a career for him, but those things just don't seem to work in our favor. Yeah, and so let's move it to uh, defensively. You know, I have a couple of things here, not too much, but Caden Ellis is becoming a nice piece, and I think the linebacking crew has been kind of the best part of this team all year. I'd say the most reliable, most consistent and, you know, even with Werner going down, that was unfortunate. But I think Ellis has done a great job stepping in. And I think he's kind of made himself, you know, a potential piece for the future. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of shocked at how well the linebacking core has played this year. And you you called it early in the season. Caden Ellis needed more reps. And he's played fantastic over this past stretch. And I'm honestly kind of shocked. Zach Bond has been making some plays as well which was great to see. And from where we were in the preseason to where we are now at that position, linebacking core is probably the position I feel the most comfortable with on this entire team. You know, Werner Ellis Bond, you still have Demario Davis, you know, he is aging, but he's still a good player. So it's, it's kind of wild to see how that position has turned out this year. And in the secondary, you know, look, Chris Harris is just getting picked on over and over again. I mean, you talk again, it's it's veteran guys coming in. Now he's switching over the defensive side. He was, of course, a great player at one time. He's clearly not that guy anymore. And, you know, it's it's he's out there because of a variety of ish, of reasons, injuries being one of the biggest. But, you know, he's at the point and look, it happened again in the Niners game. So we'll talk about that again. when We talk about that game, but he's just a liability out there and you need Lattimore back. Of course, we'll see when he's able to get back. He was a limited participant the last couple of days, Monday night game. So injury report is a little bit behind. Um, but 
at secondary, you know, look, I will say this, Adebo and, and Taylor have shown you some life and that, that gives you some hope moving forward. But, um, you know, it's been frustrating to see the defense play so well, but still have the big plays happen mainly because of, you know, kind of one guy in, in, in a spot here and there. Yeah. It's the simple busted coverage where it's one little thing can happen and just ruin a completely, you know, great defensive drive. And unfortunately that's what happened. Like you said, we'll talk about it later on against the Niners with Chris Harris, but this secondary is decimated. They've been getting picked on and, Another veteran player I want to talk about who we brought in thinking he'd be great. Tyron Matthew has not played well. We've talked about it before, and I'm getting I'm getting PTSD and flashbacks from Jarris Bird at this point with Tyron Matthew. I don't want to go that far low yet, but he just has not played well this year. So let's go by the numbers in this one. Um, I don't have much here because we're going to, you know, we have two games to recap. I, I thought it was evenly matched. You look at the stats, the yardages, everything was pretty close. I thought a big one for the Saints was they only had two penalties for 15 yards. And that was something that early in the season was kind of an issue. So you did a good job cleaning that up. Again, it was a game against a bad team. So the Saints, you know, didn't beat themselves. And that was enough to get a win. So let's turn the page. Saints beat the Rams and they go have a chance in San Francisco, the 49ers, of course, one of the hot teams in the league. Um, you know, we had a preview written up for this. We didn't get to record it. But, you know, I, the main kind of sentiment there was how in the world are you going to, you know, defend all these weapons? Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, uh, George Kittle. They they just have an unbelievable group of skill players. And to our surprise, I mean, that wasn't the issue. Saints defense played outstanding football. I mean, just played fantastic. You had... A big play at the end of the first half where 49ers are kind of going down trying to get a field goal, and Chris Harris hits a guy out of bounds for no reason. I believe it was Chris Harris. Um, and that sets up what ends up being a Niners touchdown, and they kind of put it at a two-score game, makes it 10 nothing heading into the half. I thought that was a huge play. Other than that, though, I thought the defense all day. I mean, what, what more can you ask? 13 points allowed in this game. Um, you're supposed to win those football games. And the Niners defense is is good. Look, they have Nick Bosa. They're they're a talented group, but they're not the best defense in the league. Uh, they're not a team that's supposed to be shutting you out. I mean, the Saints just didn't have it, you know. Missed opportunities. It's just unfortunate. And and so I just came away from that really discouraged because it's it's like you've said, you know, we've talked about several times. You had opportunities to go beat a really good team on the road. Like it was right there for you. This is not like you know, you just didn't have it. And, and offensively, that is the case. You just didn't have it. No, that, that seems to be the sentiment of this team is that we're losing games because of missed opportunities. And I know that's easier said now rather than, you know, if we were previewing a game or something like that, but that just seems to be the story of this season. We're shooting ourselves in the foot and the Chris Harris call was just, it was a stupid play. It really was like, there's no need to do that. And I believe, you know, it happened later in the game, something of that sort as well, but it's just sloppiness and inefficiency. And it's something we're going to probably talk about this later on that a well-coached football team does not do. There's no discipline on this team right now. So that certainly hurt one silver lining. You know, the defense did play great against an extremely, extremely hot San Francisco team that's just been putting up points on everybody since they had McCaffrey. So that that's one good thing that we can look at. But overall, it's 
another sloppy missed opportunity game for the Saints. Yeah, and offensively, it's just inefficiency, and I think a lot of that goes back to Andy Dalton. Um, I think you know certainly some of it can go back to play calling and coaching because, of course, that's that's a factor here, and we've been concerned with that all along. But it's for Dalton. Look, when it's good, it, it goes well, and he's and he's under control. But when it's bad, it really falls apart with Dalton. You know, and and I think we're again. I think you made up a great point earlier. We're seeing why he didn't have a ton of opportunities, and he came here as a backup. He didn't come here as a starter. Uh, we've made him the starter. And I understood the call at the time, but again, it's 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 like when new information becomes available, you need to make adjustments. I, I don't know what Dennis Allen, why he's so late to make these calls. Like it, it doesn't seem like anyone else. If James is healthy enough to play, he should go to him. But for me, it's just the overall inefficiency right now. And and again, I know the offensive line has had issues, and I guess you know part of that is 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 really something that you just can't do anything about. You don't have all your guys up there, but you've got to be able to put up points on the, on the board. I mean, getting shut out in the national football league, this is not, you know, the 1970s when things like that happened. I mean, you have to be able to score in this league. And right now there's really just no confidence. I don't have any confidence that the saints can put up a decent number, 20 points. I don't have confidence in that. And that's kind of, that's crazy because that's never been the saints team we've watched growing up. No, it, it's insane, and I think it was um, – it's been almost 20 years. I'm sorry, over 20 years since the last time the Saints got shut out. And it's uh, – I know injuries like you brought up, it really hurts that offensive line, but everyone around the league is dealing with injuries. And I, it's very rare to see a goose egg put up on the scoreboard from any other team in the league. And teams are playing with backup quarterbacks. Teams are doing this and doing that. And these guys figure it out. It just, it seems like it's just stemming from the top and it's, it's not a good look. And I don't know if the whole Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton situation is a Dennis Allen pride thing at this point that he's just going to go down with the ship and ride out Andy Dalton to the end of the year. But it's, he doesn't look good doing it. It doesn't look like it's a smart, like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to make this play and no one's going to know what I'm doing. He's not Sean Payton. That's not how this works. So I don't know what to do with that. But like you said, it's it's hard to gather confidence for a team after watching 12 weeks of what they've done, especially most recently. And, you know, one last point on this game before we do the, uh, you know, look at the numbers a little bit. I thought you can't really win games in this league when your best players let you down, especially when the rest of your team is struggling. You need your best players to be there. And Alvin Kamara fumbled twice, and one of them was on the goal line, you know. So that's one of those things. I mean, obviously, you're not benching Alvin Kamara. There's not anything that needs to be said or done otherwise. It's just you're not going to win very many games when your best player fumbles the football twice once at the goal line. And then so that's something that you just hope Kamara can can get figured out. Uh, it hasn't been an issue really in his career that very much, but it's something that's got to happen. By the numbers again, I'll, I'll keep it brief once more. I, I don't have a ton here. Turnovers, two to nothing. Saints had two turnovers. Niners didn't have any, and the Saints were over two in the red zone. They didn't score. You're not going to win a lot of games in those with those stats as well. So like it's it's funny too. The Saints. It's not like they're sitting there at the end of the game going, "How did we not win this game? We did everything right." Like you're doing the things that losing football teams do. You're turning the ball over. You're inefficient. So I don't, I'm not super surprised by this result, given the way this game played out. No, not at all. Like you brought up a, a negative turnover margin and then not being able to basically complete anything in the red zone and put any points up on the board. 
it's losing factors. We've talked about it before. This is what losing football teams do. And we've been spoiled for years of being, you know, a winning football team that handles business. That's just not the Saints team anymore. And one last note on the Camara thing. I think it may be time next year. I'm not saying you bench him. I'm not saying you get rid of him. But we certainly need to look at that running back room in this upcoming draft. We got to get younger because all we're doing is getting older at this point. Mark Ingram, the the wheels have fallen off. He's he's about done, and, and he's a great guy. I love Mark Ingram, but unfortunately, you know, good personality and a great locker room presence doesn't always get you a spot in this league anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that, and, and and that's unfortunate, but again, that's just kind of the way these things go at times. And so, you know, look, we let's take a moment and talk about this this situation with Dennis Allen because it's not – I don't want to say it's over for him. And that's the thing. A lot of people are willing to move on now. I like to give guys the benefit of the doubt and give them time. I think it's unfair when we do this, but the things that the saints have done are just things that you haven't seen happen. And and whether that's, you know, this isn't college football, right? Where like he has to bring in his recruits and we need to give him a few years. He was given a roster that was supposed to win. And, you know, look, he can't control guys underperforming to a full extent, I guess, but he has a big part in it. And, I just haven't seen the signs of success moving forward, the, the things to build on, the the signs of hope that you would want to really give a guy like this the benefit of the doubt. No, and that's the thing that concerns me as far as the future of this team because you've got some really good young pieces that we can build on. And I would almost rather move on from him as soon as possible, maybe give him to the end of the year and figure out what you want to do next. That way you can get a new face in the building, work with these young players and the team that we have built already, and start building it up. Even if we have to suffer through another losing season, if we see signs of life and hope, and that's what teams, you know, a lot of fan bases don't understand, is that to get good and to improve your team, you're going to have to suffer through a few bad years. And I have no problem doing that if we show signs of life. Right now we show no signs of life, no signs of improvement. And I think that's why it hurts more. Yeah. And I think losing draft picks and not having them makes that hurt a little bit more as well. But let's take a look at this Bucks game. So, of course, the Saints have had Tampa's number for a long time. This roster was kind of built to beat teams like Tampa. We were able to stop the run and really put pressure on the quarterback in the past. This year, our defense has kind of been all over the place. I wouldn't say they've been consistently good at anything, but they have done some things well. As we mentioned, they just played a great game against the Niners. So, you know, there is hope here in this game. That's the funny part. And and I can't believe we're still saying stuff like this, but the Saints would only be a half game out of the out of the division lead if you beat the Bucs. And that's just insane to think about. But it is the case. And look, Brady and those guys, they've started to figure some things out. They're looking a little bit better, but they're still not a great football team. They're under 500 for a reason. Um, and they've been right around that mark for a while now. Um, I still somewhat think they're going to figure it out i guess that's just having watched tom brady for two decades and he always figures it out but this is a a winnable game it, it is that's the bottom line yeah that's it, it's crazy to think that there's still a, a chance for the saints to take the division but just like the saints you know our predictions for them we predicted tampa you know they started off slow in the beginning of the year and we didn't expect them to lose many games moving forward and here we are, you know, 12 weeks later, and 
Tampa's not a good football team either. But, you know, it's it's one of those weeks like we talk about. The Saints seem to be the team that everyone figures out their own issues against and then move on and, you know, improve themselves. So I'm a little concerned. I'm not going to sit here. In the past, normally I would say just for some odd reason, the Saints have their number and they've played well against them. But I still fear and I still respect Tom Brady. And he's still a good quarterback and they've still got a good roster built around that team despite injuries. So we'll see how this game goes. Yeah, it's really funny, too, because these were the, of course, the powers of this division for the past, you know, four or five years, um, or I guess maybe less than that. But since Brady's been there. And now we have these different versions of these teams. We have a Saints team without Drew Brees and without Sean Payton that kind of struggles to put things together offensively. We have a Brady, you know, led Bucks team that is nowhere near as good as they were defensively. A year ago, they're they're starting to put things together on that side. Offensively, it's still just kind of a mess. I think that running game hasn't been as reliable as it was before with Fournette kind of had a, a big thing going last year. And so it's just weird to see both of these teams in such a low point. And yeah, the fact that they still have a chance to win the division is is pretty funny, all things considered. Um what number of I'll kind of change the script here a little bit. What number of wins do you think wins the NFC South this year? With the way things are going, I think seven to eight wins could win the NFC South this year. I was going to say eight. Just, that's just how poor that this division is, you know, and it's crazy when you look at divisions like the NFC East and the AFC East. There's a very good, strong possibility that every team in the NFC East makes the playoffs this year, which is insane. So I'm, I'm leaning towards seven to eight wins, probably most likely eight. But then again, who knows? Because this division is just so abysmal. Yeah, and and man, I still, I still think it would be absolutely something for the Saints to get in the playoffs at eight and nine. Now, I don't think it'll happen because that would mean the Saints would go, what, four and one four. the rest of the way? Yeah. Yeah, four out and of we haven't five. seen <laughs> any type of, you know, belief that that can happen. The Saints do have the easiest schedule in the NFL remaining for the rest of the rest of the way. Uh, they do play the Eagles. Other than that, there's not a team above 500. So there's an opportunity there. We've said it all year. The opportunity still exists. I don't know how we're still saying it 13 weeks into the season, but the opportunity still exists for this team to get hot and maybe do something. Do you see any chance of that happening? Um, you know, if it's anything like Drew Brees' recent, you know, video with points bet, maybe the Saints will catch lightning and, you know, streak in and make the playoffs. <laughs> maybe so. That, that's about the only reason. So let's do matchups of the week here. Um, for me, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it simple. I think it's that defensive line matching up against the Bucks and specifically Brady. Can you get pressure on him? That's always been the way to beat him. You have to pressure him from the inside out. Um, you know, he doesn't like pressure up the middle, doesn't move extremely well. Um, if that offensive line holds up, especially in the middle, and he's able to step up in the pocket, he's going to beat you. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to miss throws. We know that. So if that defensive line and look, it's a, it's a been a bruised, battered up group. You know, you've had guys in and out of the lineup, whether you get back some guys this week, Peyton Turner and, and those guys are able to play. We'll see. Um, but I think getting pressure has always been the way to beat Brady. I don't think any, I don't think that changes this week. Yeah, that, that was going to be um, my matchup, but I also had kind of a backup, and it's it's interesting to think of when you talk about the Bucks defense. 
I'm going to go ahead and go Bucks D versus the Saints offense. More distinctly, the Bucks D line against the Saints running game. Can we get the running game going, keep Brady off of the field, and apply pressure to him? And if that's the case and the Saints can maybe put up some points, we've seen Tom Brady score very low margins this year. So maybe it is another one of those weird games where all you got to put up is 10 points and you somehow pull off a, a victory. So that's that's what I'm going to lean towards. Yeah, and that's I think that's the script the Saints have to win by. I don't see a scenario where you're outscoring the Bucs if, it, if this becomes an offensive game. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see the, the juice offensively like we've talked about. Um, you know, another thing I want to say is, the the taste of Hill role is really frustrating to me because if if we're going to establish this role and he's not going to play quarterback, and then all of a sudden a couple of weeks ago we're, we're we're doing this whole like two quarterback rotation system where he's playing like half the snaps, and then we kind of just go back to barely seeing him. I don't understand it. It feels like Taysom's better when he gets into the rhythm of the game and he puts a few carries under his belt and then he kind of wears down a defense almost because he's a power style runner. And it feels like there's such a a lack of commitment to what the plan is with him at the position. And that's what really frustrates me. Like, if you're going to do this, you know, Wildcat quarterback thing more than just a couple plays a game, which it seems like they want to do that, and obviously they've had success doing it, so they have reason to, then commit to it. Like, like it's okay if it doesn't work every play. You can run it again. Like, that's what that's what frustrates me about it. So I, I didn't know if you had any different thoughts on that or not, but... Like, just commit to the guy and give him 15, 20 snaps a game. They don't all have to be a quarterback, right? But just like, I don't know. I, I want to see more of that. I don't, the first time he gets tackled for a loss of a yard, I don't think that means you just don't run him out again until next game. Well, if that were the case, Alvin Kamara would have been benched a long time ago with the way his season's been going. But no, I mean, Taysom Hill, we've been preaching it all year, you know, especially right before that Seahawks game where he blew up, we were just advocating to get Taysom Hill more involved. And it seems like every play that Taysom Hill gets the ball in his hands seems to be a positive play. It, you know, there's some kind of production. And like you brought up, Taysom Hill's a lot like a power back running back where he, he seems to get stronger as the carries build up and he wears out that defense. So we uh, against a team like Tampa, especially with the way our running game has been struggling, you have to get Taysom Hill involved this week. And then, and this is just me, I'm not an NFL offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael is. Taysom Hill has a few productive runs early. Then you play action and you bust that defense wide open. That's how you beat teams. And once again, I don't get paid the big bucks, Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen do. But you would think from a standpoint on the offense – that would be something they go to, but it doesn't seem like we have a plan ever. Every week, it seems just kind of go out there and wing it. All right, let's give score predictions. Why not? What's it going to hurt? What you got this week? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bucks. I'm going to go 13-10 Bucks. I'll go 20 to 12 Bucks. Um, I don't, I don't, yeah. I think, I think field goals. No, I think field goals. I think Will Lutz gets it going. Big game for Will Lutz. Stock up for Lutz after this one. That's what I'm thinking. Um, 
I just think the inefficiency in the red zone is going to continue to hurt you. That's why I say that. And I think early it's a situation where early the Saints maybe puts together a couple of nice scripted drives, but can't get in the end zone. And you're sitting at six points, nine points. And then I think you just never get over that hump in the red zone. That's kind of what I see happening. And then Tampa, look, I don't think they're going to look like the greatest show on turf, but I think they're going to be able to put the ball in the end zone a couple of times. Um, and I just don't have a lot of faith in this Saints team overall right now. So that's kind of what I have. Monday night, we get the whole world gets to see our wonderful football team put it on display. Um, let's go see what happens. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's a great primetime game that everyone gets to watch. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. We'll be back next week recapping this Bucks game and taking a look ahead. I want to thank everybody for listening. This has been the Dome Zone, episode 12, signing out.